Hey everybody, welcome in to episode two of season two of your Corporate Global Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hans. And I'm your host, William Spicer. Spicer, it's uh, the nightcap edition of the Corporate Global Dynasty podcast. That always means lots of energy. That's right, that's right. And we have and a special guest with us today, a co-host of sorts. Hello, 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 the Popular Ballers GM, Aaron Park. Happy to be with y'all. Welcome to your first uh, official appearance on the show that will hopefully hit the airwaves. Uh, okay. <laughs> we'll see what, what the producer does with this one, but uh, we've got a lot to cover tonight and it's going to be a fun show, so we're going to dive right in by taking a look at the popular ballers tonight. First, going to look at his draft and then just talk about the, the ballers uh, from a, the bird's eye view and maybe get into some locker room drama. So, Aaron... Why don't you just start us right off with uh, telling us what it was like to draft Kyle Pitts? Sure. Well, first of all, I'm just so delighted to be here. I'm giddy right now talking to you guys for the show. Um, drafting Kyle Pitts was a rush. I knew that it was pretty much a secret who I was going to take. I kept it very, uh, very close to the vest. So for one thing, it was fun just to excite all of you guys, I hope, by, by making that pick because I thought it would probably be a shocker. And I was looking forward to that. Um, also, should we mention the fact that William is eating a Hattie B's damn hot tender right now? Yes. Spoiler alert. Uh, we're going to see if he can make it uh, through this episode or, you know, maybe we won't even notice. He might be tough enough. So, uh, we're going we're gonna to let him finish that while uh, I continue to ask you about Kyle Pitt. So I was pretty shocked by the move. I was definitely thinking maybe Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Uh, there was a lot of misdirection coming from the cg adam schefter twitter account um i may or may not have partaken in that i uh, can't say for sure but uh when did you decide for sure to take pits over a qb man it's hard to think of the exact timeline but i would say probably probably at least a month out from the draft i knew i was taking pits if not more than that um Basically, I heard a couple analysts that I listened to on different podcasts compare him to being a 22-year-old or 21-year-old Travis Kelsey and how multiple people were projecting him to be that type of player. Um, and kind of like Spice mentioned in episode one, the positional scarcity was a big factor because there's only three players in that tier right now, really. like Most people consider Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller the only tier of tight ends that's going to score and catch that many passes and just be targeted that much, so... Yeah, I, I'm. I highly believe in those evaluations, and I watched a little bit of tape on Pitts <laughs> <laughs> and loved what I saw. And I love that style of player, like a huge receiver that's just going to like snatch the ball in any situation. So that plus the tight end premium was enough to uh, to lock me in for Pitts. Yeah, I was going to ask because you actually just set, referenced him as a wide receiver. That if he was listed as a wide receiver, though would you have taken him there? Like if he wasn't listed as a tight end coming in or what um, if his designation ever changed? I, that's the only thing I've thought about. It's kind of hard to say. I mean, a part of why I selected him was because so many people were saying this is a generational prospect at this position. So mm. if he was com being compared to wide receivers, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe I would have gone QB in that case because it was a need. Um, but I also had like a, a medium amount of confidence that with those two second round picks I had, the two, two and two, three, that I would hopefully be able to figure out some kind of deal to patch that up by going pits in the first round. 
Right, which you did. Spoiler alert. We'll <laughs> circle back to that. Um, yeah, that's a good question, Spicer, about about the designation. Because, you know, there was some talk back at the Corporate Global Summit about, um, it didn't get very far on the floor, but about eliminating the tight end position and maybe just making it, you know, combined with the, a wide receiver role or something like that. But <laughs> it would really t- take away from uh, the tight end premium as much as... Uh, much to Spicer's dismay. Let me tell you about Hot Damn. Y'all hated my idea for No Tight End. <laughs> I like, do. you guys absolutely just curb stomped it. Um, <laughs> and I, I just remember thinking, because it was not worth talking about at that moment, but my dad's league, we switched to this about four or five seasons ago to a No Tight End at all. Um, but extra flex. And we just really liked, we really liked that style. So that's the only reason I was doing it is I'd have played in a no tight end league without. The I do premium. like the idea of just getting Kelsey and Kittle and getting to put them up against some of those other wide receivers. But that would be kind of neat to see, you know, where they stack up. Because I'm, I know Kelsey at least a year or two ago would have been like a top three or four receiver, I believe. So. Uh, definitely interesting, but in this format, I think it makes sense. And while it did surprise me, I can't really blame you for taking Pitts number one. Or All right, number two, so not number one. Number, well, you're number <laughs> one. Yeah, you know what I mean. And also, um, I think you guys also mentioned on the last episode, but I also knew Noah had interest in Pitts too. <clears throat> and that exactly like you said, Hunter, in episode one, that I knew that trading down and getting him was not an option, most likely, because he's going to be so appealing at one three there. So that was a factor yeah. too. In other circumstances, if like if Colton had one three, maybe I would have tried to trade down to one four or something and hope there was a QB run at the beginning. But yeah, I think you, I think you made the right choice. Uh, I didn't didn't see that move on on draft day, but the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. Um, so one thing I really liked, I think I if I didn't commend you on this in the last episode. Getting Javante Williams at 2.2, I think, was one of maybe one of the best value picks in the draft. Uh, I had him ranked as my second best running back coming out here over ETN. So talk about that uh, and what went into that pick. Yeah, same. I had Javante over ETN as well. I think below uh, Najee Harris, at least, like, factored in Landy spot. I don't know about pure talents. Um, I could probably go either way on Javante and Najee. But, yeah, I had Javante over ETN, and actually... I thought there was so little chance of Javante falling to me that um, Nidio, manager of Marley Magic, called me to consult during the draft of the 1-7 and said, who should I take here? And I said, I prefer Javante over ETN. Wow. <laughs> because I was like, I'm going to go ahead and give you my advice because there's no chance of him falling to me. So yeah, that's what I advised him, but uh, he ended up going ETN anyway, and I was shocked that Javante Williams fell to me. Um it was a good and a bad thing at the same time. I was kind of banking on Zach Wilson going to Katie at the 110 and then me getting Mac Jones at 2-2 and not needing to make a trade at all. Mm. Um, but, of course, as we know, Spicer swept in and interrupted that plan at the 1-8 with a dramatic trade to Brady for Antonio Gibson. <laughs> to pick up Zach yeah, Wilson. That, uh, that would have been pretty far for Wilson to fall uh but it would have made sense the way the draft board was before that trade. But I guess that's why that's why you trade. So I was glad to see that yeah. there was several moves made in the the top half. I thought it was going to be like an absolute lock that Brady would be taking whichever one of Javante or Etienne that Ryan didn't take there. But as we saw, not the case. 
Yeah, and instead he he traded for the RB need that he had. So we'll see how that plays off uh, down the road. Um, let's see. So I guess this this is going to be covered on the trade. So we can kind of just go ahead and go into it now and skip it later. But so you ended up trading your two point three uh, to get Derek Carr. Uh, let's see the exact details of the trade where. Um, yeah, I should pull that up as well. I thought I had them right here. Where'd they go? Um, well, I've got it here. So um, I traded that pick, the 203, and a 2022 fourth round for Derek Carr and a 2021 fifth round pick. I think the 502, 502 or 501. Yes, and I believe uh, Spicer and I maybe both roasted you a bit on that. Spicer, what? Did you have further comment? No, no, no. We didn't roast Aaron. We roasted Katie because <laughs> well, yeah. she let him off the hook. That dude could should have been raked over the coals for taking Pitts, being able to take <laughs> Pitts second overall with quarterback need. This is my uh, best attempt at like a Nick Kroll style, style of the league character. But yeah, I was very into being like, Aaron might not be able to play this game to start the season (laughs) my uh my only gripe with episode one an area where i feel like i need to defend myself is you guys were talking about how desperately i needed this trade and yet there was no credit for pulling it off only hate indeed that's fair (laughs) that is true indeed you can hear it in my voice still right now very bitter very bitter yeah yeah i think all of us felt like oh he's screwed uh he's gonna have to do something really desperate and then this was kind of just like a fair ish trade (laughs) yeah i think that was it it was totally fair like if you zoomed out from the our narrative context that we built which i have to say it's good that the matriarchs i feel like it's a good part of the narrative for them to like have a little bit of savior messianic (laughs) arc to their story anyways (laughs) so that's true um, it does fit the team identity yes but i I don't think i don't really think it was like as much of a bailout as you guys do though Actually, when I put that in keep trade cut on the day off, I remember that it, I knew she was taking Rashad Bateman, so I put him in because that was like part of the conditions of the trade is I had to leave Smith or Bateman for her. Um, and Bateman was higher value than Carr. So, I mean, that's obviously just a, yeah. a trade calculator, but I thought that was a, a very mutually beneficial trade too because she was one of the few teams that had four QBs, so she had one to trade, and she could have used a young wide receiver, and she got a super solid receiver, so... Yeah, yeah. I think I would rather, I guess, have Bateman, but I, I don't know. I, he was a player I liked a lot going into the draft, and then the Baltimore landing spot kind of scared me. Mm-hmm. But I think the big thing about this trade for you is if Watson is out for the year, you still kind of have a chance to compete uh, with Carr and Prescott, and then maybe you can find a filler for a bye week or something, but this kind of puts you back where you don't necessarily have to just look for the future the whole year. Right. And that's why I was like, so under the gun to make the trade. I was working the phones. <laughs> there yeah. were calls, like lots of calls to move around to try to get one of the rookie quarterbacks. Um, me and Hunter had, there was not really any interest in Hunter for, for this, but we had, I was trying to get him to trade me Daniel Jones. Yeah. If I had fourth quarterback, uh, it would have been much more likely, but I didn't want to sit there with two. So, um, all right. Well, it looks like your next pick 
was at the end of the second round. There was some craziness going on here with you and Spicer. <laughs> Talk me <laughs> through the, the Gainwell and Chuba uh, Hubbard situation. So, at one point, I traded Spicer for this pick, if I'm remembering correctly. And I think the issue was I traded him a third for this draft and a third for next draft. And he thought they were both for this draft when he accepted it. Isn't that why we reversed it? <laughs> yes, it had to do with the years. So I messed up and you were nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I had no problem reversing that. But then um, right afterwards, I'm pretty sure I traded this with Wyatt, even though it's in your column. Didn't Wyatt have this pick? I'm pretty sure I traded Wyatt those same third round picks, one in this draft and one in 2022. Yes, the uh, the exact trade was Aaron gets Kenneth Gainwell and Wyatt gets what turned into Diami Brown and a 2022 third. Right. Yeah, so I was big on Gainwell. Um, this was probably kind of a reach to get him, but also when I was looking at the draft board and I was there at 306, I thought if I didn't move up, I probably wasn't going to get Gainwell. So... And I really like that player. So I went and got him. Nice. Yeah, I think you were probably right on that. You may not have gotten him at 306. Uh, Noah took Elijah Mitchell at 3.5. And I wouldn't imagine he would have taken him over Gainwell. Uh, but Michael Carter was there. I thought that was interesting that you passed on on him. But maybe you have higher hopes of a higher ceiling for Gainwell. Yeah, um, that was an instance where I just like like the player better. I recognize that the consensus is probably right as far as Carter having a better opportunity. Um, but I just really like Gainwell as a player. Um, I did a lot of research in this draft having so much free time. And <laughs> I kind of feel mm-hmm. like if ever there was a draft to just get the guys that I believe in, cause I've done enough research on them. It was this time because I've actually like had time to, <laughs> to put in the work on them. Um, and another factor is I'm not a big Miles Sanders fan. I think the Eagles backfield could be, somewhat open for him to have a significant role even in the first year. Um, and besides like me just liking him as a player, he was pretty high in a lot of rankings I saw pre-draft and then he fell in the real draft. But a lot of people had him as like the fourth or fifth best running back in the class. Yeah, and he he didn't play in, in 2020, so that could have been you know a reason for the fall. And I also agree with you. I'm not a big Miles Sanders fan, so... Uh, we'll see. There's a lot of a lot of bodies in Philadelphia. We'll see who emerges. And he also comes from Memphis of uh, oh, yeah. keeping Antonio Gibson at receiver. And I'm a huge Antonio Gibson fan. Great point. All right. Let's see. We also had any other picks for you here. Um, I took Anthony Schwartz at four four, who I ended up trading to William, as you guys talked about, for Chuba. I feel like I absolutely had to get Chuba Hubbard. <laughs> given uh, McCaffrey's injury situation last year. And also figured that he just has to have way more value to me than anyone else because as long as McCaffrey isn't hurt, Chuba's probably not going to do very much. So it seemed natural for me to get Chuba. Yeah, I mean, that's a great deal for you. Uh, I can't remember if I made fun of Spicer for that last time or if I'll have to do it <laughs> later today, but uh, head oh, scratcher there. Wait, I got Tim Patrick too. Oh, yeah, okay. Tim Patrick and Anthony Schwartz for yeah. Chuba. That makes up some space there. That's good. Um, and then I see you took Khalil Herbert, another kind of dart throw, um, running back in the fifth. Yeah, even more so than Gainwell. Um, again, I just like had seen him higher than he actually went in the real draft and rankings. A lot of people liked his talent as like kind of like a mid-range, like bottom of the guys who actually might be viable NFL players in this class. Um, and again, not a big David Montgomery fan. I think 
Montgomery's had some like knee injuries maybe too, right? Hasn't he been banged up a little? So hmm. just knowing that, and I'm not a Tariq Cohen fan either. So uh, Montgomery is surely the starter, but like, I feel like it wouldn't be the craziest thing for Herbert to be getting some playing time by the end of the year there. Um, and then snag Jarrett Patterson at the five, two, that was my sole, like somewhat comedy pick of the draft. <laughs> kind of like <laughs> your amusement with Rondell Moore hunter. Like I just find that player yeah. amusing and awesome. Like a tiny warrior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Cause he wasn't drafted. If I remember right. Yeah. He was undrafted and signed with Washington after the draft, but he was also so good at Buffalo which I feel like even though it's a small school, when you get to 5-2, it's worth a dart throw on a guy who had, what, like a six-touchdown game, I think? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he flew under the radar for me. I was not aware of him. Uh, but, hey, that's what the fifth round's for, taking chances. <laughs> yeah, exactly. also, let's not forget, like, Alvin Kamara, like, didn't even play in college. Right? Well. We know that was like, all Butch Jones. So. <laughs> yeah, but the, all sorts of crazy stuff like that happened, you know? Or like, what is it? T.O. went to UTC. Is that right? Or Randy Moss? Somewhere like that. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I didn't know no, that. I, yeah. Speaking of, we should, a quick diversion. We could talk about this for an hour. But uh, the day we're recording this, the name image likeness like change has hit <laughs> college athletics. And I'm I've been fascinated all day with all of the different <laughs> signings and endorsement deals that college players are sign are are uh, doing, and I think it's going to be very entertaining to watch uh, this upcoming season. We haven't really seen any of it. What was the funniest one? The one that got the most traction, kind of going around Twitter, was a Michigan State uh, kicker got a a, pay, <laughs> a paid tweet to say something along the lines of, uh, "You, this is a paid tweet." you all should go listen to the Locked On Michigan State podcast. I've never listened to it, but it's probably not terrible. <laughs> and it kind of just went viral because it's, you know, bizarre player to choose. Uh, and a very lukewarm sentiment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the exact quote was, but I'm sure it's not terrible. So uh, I just think it's going to unlock kind of a fun crazy uh next couple months until the season starts and i can just see it now like a player hitting a huge game and then immediately like signing some crazy deal or <laughs> getting you know signing up on cameo and getting a bunch of people to ask him for ridiculous stuff so it should be interesting all right let's move on to looking at the popular ballers as a whole including these veterans um maybe run down uh if you don't want to disclose your starting roster, we could project one for you, but uh, kind of walk us down top to bottom and uh, and let us know, you know, who you're most excited for in the starting lineup this year. Okay, I'll maybe just go by like position group here. Yeah. Um. So QB, I would say, pending the Deshaun Watson situation, it's either really solid having Dak and Deshaun and Carr as the backup, or like just mediocre kind of <laughs> or maybe like decent because Dak is not a bad QB1 with Carr as the QB2 um, but depending on how long Deshaun's out for it could get sticky with bye weeks and stuff and I'd be very thin at QB <laughs> unless uh, oh, this could be a, a good mini topic what do you guys project for Gardner Minshew this season what do you think is going to happen with him mm. Spicer I think he's I think he's going to be cheering from the sidelines unless Trevor really sucks or gets hurt yeah i thought it was funny honestly that was my reaction when 
someone came out from the Jags, I don't remember who, and said that it was a competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, How it's stupid. Like, that's one of those coach speak things that they just kind of have to say to, for us a little bit just to, I guess, make Trevor Lawrence something. I don't know. But yeah, I don't think he starts a game like uh, Spicer said, unless there's an injury. Yeah, I agree. For a little while, I was hopeful he was going to get traded to somebody else and like possibly compete for a starting job or something like that. But at this point, it seems like that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, I still think he would have been a great, like if he was going to go, football team would have been pretty, pretty fun. That would have been sweet. But or the Broncos magic instead. Yeah. Yeah, Broncos could have taken kind of a, a cheap uh flyer <laughs> on him for a year until they can draft someone next year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you nailed it on uh I would say pretty much the same thing. If Watson plays, you're set. If not, you'll you'll uh I'll survive be in, in a pretty tough spot. <laughs> yeah. Um and I think as far as my roster, I can disclose everything and even like my strategy and evaluation because at this point, I'm probably just pretty much rolling with my roster into the season. I don't think I'm looking to trade anymore or anything. So I'll just mm. lay it all on the table on the podcast. Let's do all it. Right. Exclusive. <laughs> uh, running back, I'm feeling really strong with my top three guys, McCaffrey, Dobbins, and I think Javante Williams will be doing great by like midseason. Um, totally expect them to surpass Melvin Gordon, or at least have like mm. a dual a dual backfield role. And I think he's so good that he'll probably be fine. Um, so beyond that, my running back depth is kind of weak. Like a lot of my sub running backs are sort of probably not going to do anything this year. But the one thing that makes me feel better in that area is I have handcuffs for my two man guys. I have Gus Edwards for Dobbins and I have Chuba now for the McCaffrey. So I think I can get away probably with a little bit less depth there because if my two man guys go down for injury, I have their backups. So it's just bye weeks that could be an issue with running back for me, I think. Yeah, I don't think it's maybe as bad as... Uh, maybe in the beginning of the season, if you had an early injury or something, it may not be great. But I think by the time people start getting hurt, between uh, Matt Breida, Michelle, David Johnson, I think maybe even I think Brian Hill, somebody th- can fill in. I think all three of those guys, you just mentioned Breida, Michelle, and David Johnson are total question marks for this year, though. <laughs> and like I'm probably being overly optimistic to think any of them are going to have much value, <laughs> but we'll see. Maybe not David Johnson. Yeah. He's there's the weird running back situation in Houston. So I'm not sure what will, what will happen there, but I think you would at least have one of them could start a couple weeks. Yeah. That makes sense. Which maybe it's not saying much. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, wide receiver, I'd say is my weakest and like weirdest group, but kind of the most fun too. Because I think I have a lot of developmental guys that could possibly have a really exciting season this season. Um, and it'd be awesome because they're guys that I got when they were not that valuable. Like by those kind of guys, I'm talking about like maybe Pittman. I mean, he's slightly higher rated, but I think Pittman could have a really, really good year. I loved what I saw from him last year. Um, McCole Hardman could possibly have a breakout year. Alan Lazard is never going to be like a superstar, I don't think. But he had some really big games last year before he got hurt. And I still think Josh Reynolds might be like flexible in dynasty, (laughs) especially depending on what happens with injuries, because Julio does have that lingering hamstring thing seemingly. And AJ Brown has that knee thing going on. So there could still be some games where Reynolds is the wide receiver too for the Titans. Um, And I also keep forgetting I have Will Fuller on the bench too. (laughs) He's only out for one game at the beginning of the year. And I don't think he'll like dominate on Miami, but I don't think he'll be useless either. 
So yeah, and I'm excited about Cup this year. Every other reports out of OTAs are that Cup and Stafford are really connecting. So I'm hopeful for that. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about the Titans receiving core uh, last episode, but I think you're right. Both of those guys, well, yeah, Julio for sure, um, probably going to miss at least one or two games, just that's his nature. Um, So could use Reynolds there. And yeah, I forgot about Fuller as well. I think he would probably be a good buy low candidate uh, in Dynasty right now, just because if you're competing, he's only 27, he can still play a couple more years, and maybe Tua and him can put something together. So wide receiver, I'm basically hoping like if I can just meet like league average <laughs> at that position, I'll be very happy with that because I think I'm doing pretty well at the other positions. Um, and also, I'll wait till we get to the trades for this, but I'm very curious to hear what y'all thought of the Nelson Aguilar trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got I've got some thoughts. Uh, <laughs> I'm somewhat excited for him this year. I get, again, we can get to that. But and then at tight end, I've got Kyle Pitts, who I am so excited for. I'm probably overly ambitious, but I think he's almost going to be dominant from week one. <laughs> Especially now that Julio's gone from Atlanta, like it's just him and Calvin Ridley. That's true. Yeah. I'm pretty high on Russell Gage this year, potentially too, which I think helps Pitts. Like I don't think that uh, everyone's going to focus on Calvin Ridley. So, yeah. yeah, I have Gage in another league, and I I was trying to trade him before the draft, and then after Julio got traded, I was I'm actually happy I have him now because that was obviously a, a big value boost. Um, so you've got Pitts, and then. Oh, I forgot Hurst was on Atlanta too. So really Hooper is kind of the, the go-to backup. Cole Komet still kind of developing. We'll see if he can yeah, do anything this yeah. year. I'm hopeful for Komet this year. He's one that I'm excited to watch this year. I'm really excited for all my rookies from last year, basically. Like Pittman, Dobbins, Komet, and even possibly Van Jefferson are going to be a lot of fun to see what they do this year because it could be really good for them, but also like it's definitely not a sure thing. Absolutely. Well, uh, Spicer, any closing thoughts on the popular ballers roster for this upcoming season? Um, I don't think so. I think that that pretty much covers it and we'll, we'll come back to it with, uh, the Nelson Aguilar trade. So it's another (laughs) trade. So, all right. Yeah. Let's move on. This has been a, between the draft and that, that's a lot of popular ballers talk for this podcast. Deep dive. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, for the uh, second part here, we're going to go over some of the biggest rule changes that we made this offseason. We had a, a great time on a huge Zoom call. All the league owners got together, and even the Jersey commissioner made an appearance. So uh, we'll go over those with you real quick and then talk about these trades to end it out. So, um, Spicer, do you uh, have some of those changes pulled up you want to pop in- off for us? Indeed. So I will go through first. Just some, like, the bookkeeping. This is sort of, like, decorum-type rules first. So, we have the simple majority plus one for for supports on voting, right? So, that's what we have. Um, then, we also discussed that now, I guess everyone may or may not know by now, but I have commissioner privileges in our league now just so that I can help Hunter. So if you ever need anything done, like notes or, you know, if we if we had any more crazy sort of like how we had to make some on-the-fly rules about 
not sure if teams would play and stuff like that, like adjustments, I can do those now. So they don't all have to be directed at Hunter. And we also talked about that we increased the payment of the league from $25 to $30. And that is to reward the best regular season record or point score. I forgot about that. That'll be fun. Um, <clears throat> we also have the new, if you, if your punishment for winning the toilet pool is that you pay $9 for the plaque on the trophy, which I still need to buy. I know <laughs> I'm terrible. Um, we now have the, in the lore, the popular ballers in Aaron Park versus Colton High in the Pit Kings battle of 2020 over how like some tanking guidelines work. And so just as a reminder, for teams that are tanking, no players with an injury status of out or worse, inactive, suspended, pup, etc. can be started. That is the rule. What is pup? Uh, physically unable to perform list. <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay, that's like the it's it's like the mini IR, I believe. Like I think if oh. you get put on the pup list, you can. There's like two different versions of it. One is like six weeks, and one is four or eight or something. I don't know. Physically unable to perform sounds like a brutal designation. Like <laughs> yeah. this man will never take the field again. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound kind of degrading. <laughs> yeah, or just like traumatic. Like whatever's happened to this person, yeah. it is <laughs> eternal. Okay. Anyway, Very moving serious. on. Yeah. Um, so next up we have the next, that the, the, the trade deadline being moved. So for everyone at, at home, our trade deadline has been moved to week 11 now. 12, 12. Yeah, we have a, I'm sorry. We have a clarification to get into here. Should we go ahead and do that? Yeah. So we, uh, we had actually passed a vote or a rule to make the, championship two weeks long because of the NFL adding an extra week. But uh, someone pointed out that the bye weeks now go all the way into week 14, which is when we would have had to start to do that. So we don't want people to have to play the playoffs with a bye week. So we're going to uh, nix that idea and kind of bump everything back a week. So trade deadline moved to week 12 playoffs are starting week 15. You heard it here. The living law. (laughs) I'm really excited about this next uh, rule change. I think I was a big proponent of this one. Adding uh, the third flex spot. Oh, yes. I'm I'm going to get to that one. I'm going to finish up with these, like, like the sort of big general rules. Oh, sorry. Um, no, no, no. It, there's only uh, one more or two more, which is the playoff reseeding and that we reseed like the NFL in the playoffs, which is just top rank plays the next top rank instead of bracket, right? It resets after every round based on the starting rank. Makes sense. And then we have the new one point for a win, one point for the top half weekly score. That's a big one. Yeah, it's pretty big. Um, As we've seen, we have the conditional trades as we already had a few, and I guess for now, until we come up with another thing, just putting the players involved in the trade in the notes for that player 
as a reminder for us about what the conditions are. And then trying to put it in that spreadsheet is sort of the how we're keeping track of that for now. Um, open to anyone's potential changes to that. That was just sort of what we could come up with in the moment. Yeah, I think that's the best call. Um, so the two most exciting, in my opinion, are the extra flex spot, which doesn't hit till next season, and then the extra game each week against the median score is going to be huge. What I think most of us were in agreement on those two, right? Um, yeah, it says pass unanimously on the medium scores. Oh, and look at that. Conditional traits. Boom. So yeah, those are those are the big ones. Um, we also we have to iron out some of the details on this, but we're also creating a Pro Bowl, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I think we're going to have it split up into two divisions, and hopefully those will kind of stick through, and some lore will develop over the years. But uh, everybody, you'll get to pick some some players from each team, and we'll we'll have some fun with that. So, yep, that's it for that. And I guess now we can just dive through these trades here as a final recap. Get get a unique perspective from Aaron on some of these and, and call it a, a day. So let's jump in. We're going to start uh, back in January when the trading, I guess this was the first trade post um, the season ending NFL was still happening, maybe in the playoffs at this point. And Colton traded with me to get Clyde Edwards, Elaire, and I got Joe Mixon, the 10th pick, of the second round, which turned out to be Rondell Moore, and the fifth pick in the fourth round, which I ended up trading. So this is a while ago, but what what did you all think about this one? Um, it's kind of hard for me to pick a winner here because I, I like Clyde Edwards Lair, and um, a lot of people think Joe Mixon is going to have a good year this year and a Joe Burrow led offense and get a lot of opportunities as well. So kind of hard to say. I'd say that's a pretty even trade. Yeah, I was going to say it's a very even trade, but also, like, I know that you love Joe Mixon. So, like, if you're thinking about it and being like, CEH is going to always be a part of the Patrick Mahomes show, which means, like, he's kind of a side character in that to get a second in Joe Mixon, that sounds pretty good, and then a throw in fourth. Yeah, I think I was hoping, or or not hoping, I was... I probably would have considered doing that trade one for one just because of me liking Mixon more than Edward Zolaire. As the season went on, I started to see him maybe not being the like having the ability to be a number one running back on his own team, like where he's just going to get a ton of work. I think maybe he'll still have a lot of passing down work and stuff like that. But I just got a little nervous. I think he'll still be really good, but. Uh, I know that Mixon can do, kind of do it all, and I'm hoping it, with Joe Burrow being healthy that he'll have a couple really, really good years as a, like a top you know, five or six running back. So I was happy with it. With Clyde during the season, I kind of felt the same as you as thinking you know, maybe he can't get it done and is maybe going to be sort of a bust until the Super Bowl and then all the Chiefs' offensive line changes afterwards and realize like, true. how poorly they thought of their offensive line <laughs> and how that was probably a factor in Clyde's performance last season. Yeah, I'm also still willing to kind of hand wave a lot of rookie strange things happening from last year just because they didn't have an offseason. So, yeah, like totally. some of those guys, 
you know, that won't be, end up being an excuse and some of them, maybe it will. So we'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on a lot of those rookies, like even like a uh, Jerry Judy who like had a fine first year, but not as good as some people thought. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, Aaron, you and Katie swapped handcuffs with uh, gut, you getting Gus Edwards and her getting Tony Pollard to back up Zeke. Yeah, um, I'm biased, obviously, but I like my side of the trade in this one. Um, I think I'd rather have Pollard just as an individual player, but Gus Edwards is going to see the field more than Pollard, most likely. Um, Pollard could prove to be more valuable long term, though, because, like I said, I think he's better and he showed some flash last year. So he could be pretty good if he ever gets an opportunity where he's seeing the field more. But I think those are similarly valuable assets. So for me to come away with the second round pick there over the third, I think is a win for me, but I also made the trade. Yeah, I, I agree with you that really it's pretty even, but I like your side more on the second round pick over third round. So. All right. Yeah. I think uh, you put it well when you said that Pollard could end up being a better long-term asset, but that's all obviously a huge question mark so time will tell uh let's go through some of these real quick i'm just gonna pretty much just throw them out there and acknowledge them um i i sold three players for draft picks uh, i got rid of boykin and he turned into the fourth uh fourth round ninth pick from colton uh, and got tylen wallace out of that which i'm really happy with because i feel like he might replace boykin and then i also got a fifth round pick uh from colton for jermichael hasty and I'm blowing through this because Colton has since co- cut both of those players. <laughs> you missed Brita. You traded Brita to me for a fifth round pick. Yes, that's. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I also uh, gave you Brita for a fifth, which I might regret because I, I I have a lot of good starting running backs, and then just so many question marks. Um, and I kind of just gave up on him after he couldn't make it work last year in Miami. All right, there's a big one now, which I want to hear some more about. This is where Spicer sent Antonio Gibson to Brady, the God Kings, for Chase Edmonds and what turned into Zach Wilson. Yeah, so I think I talked about it on the on the last episode. Did I did I talk about this where I was in the Mapco parking lot when this trade came? Oh yeah, <laughs> I think you did. Yeah, so. Um, so it was kind of like on the fly, but this was where I, th- I felt like the way that the, just the first round went, like Zach Wilson really fell where like in the real draft, he was drafted legit, like second overall. It's, and in fan- our fantasy league, he went to ninth and I was just like, Oh, I'm going to hop on this. And I am, you know, it's always great to have Derrick Henry's and, those running backs but they but running backs churn so much faster than quarterbacks like if we started this fantasy league in 2010 and you drafted Aaron Rodgers you would still be pleased with that you like there's yeah. no running back in the entire league that you could say that about so that was more of me being on like a timetable and saying like oh this dude is going to be starting now and could be is worth it for me even if Antonio Gibson's a great how for how long he is is not quite there and uh getting back chase edmonds really does alleviate some anxiety for me so i'd say this one is pretty close from a value perspective and maybe even in spice's favor um because he gets zach wilson who 
should be a good quarterback. And then also Chase Edmonds is going to be a useful running back too. Probably the main running back on his team. So I'd say value might favor Spice, but I love Antonio Gibson. <laughs> He's amazing and fun. So that to me makes the trade pretty close. I'd say that's a mutually beneficial one too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I was a little surprised by Brady going for this, but I think this trade kind of fits with the God Kings uh, team personality. Like, kind of, he'll he's not afraid to make a big move um, and see what happens. Uh, obviously, if Zach Wilson turns out to be, you know, a stud quarterback, then it'll be easy to point back at it and say it was a mistake. But at the same time, uh, Antonio Gibson could, I mean, he could have four or five years as a, a stud running back. So. I think it's pretty close. I would favor Spicer on this one as he loads up on even more quarterbacks. Uh, the next one in the timeline was, we kind of already covered this a little bit, but Aaron getting Derek Carr uh, in a fifth, and Katie getting Rashad Bateman in a fourth. Any other comments on that one? I don't think so. All right, so the I want... speaks for itself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I already roasted this one, but I'm going to throw it out there for the rest of you to talk about. So the next one was uh, Colton traded with Brady, the God Kings, and this was the trade. Colton got the pick where he took Amon Ra St. Brown, and he gave up to Brady what turned into Kadarius Tony, Kyle Trask, Amari Rogers, and Boston Scott. Yeah, and Brady Thoughts? has Miles Sanders. Yes. Yeah, give me... That's. I want to be on the God King side on that one. He got Tony Rogers and Trash from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's almost even pretty even to me too. Probably favors, this one. Probably favors Brady. Um, getting Tony and Rogers. Trask is like nothing to me. But I'd say Amon Ra has the best chance of success of the three of those receivers. Yeah, this is one of those ones where, I think I said this last time, St. Brown got drafted higher in fantasy because he went to the Lions who don't really have a clear-cut receiving option. And sometimes that makes sense, and sometimes it, it doesn't really pay off. So I guess it just depends on what Jared Goff can do up there. I would just be terrified to have... Uh, you have that on my team and I guess it also has to say something that Tony was a first round pick too so maybe we should be valuing him more but I kind of don't value him that highly he's a weird player yeah he was kind of polarizing I think he had maybe injury problems at Florida this is a polarizing group of players right here overall Yeah, (laughs) maybe not Amari Rogers (laughs) but he's like not super exciting but solid yeah, I think he was someone that probably got uh, elevated draft status just because he went to the Packers. It was a third round pick, though, so I mean, it's not not terrible draft capital. Um, but yeah, give me Brady's side of this all day. If nothing else, just for the dart throws, I'd rather have two chances because I almost feel like Tony and Rogers have as much chance to pop off as uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, and so I'll take the two for one there. All right, next trade was Kenneth Gainwell going to Aaron uh, and Wyatt gets Diami Brown in a 2022 third. We kind of already talked about that there. Uh, Spicer, did you have any parting thoughts on Gainwell's mess? 
Not really. You know, we sort of talked about it. A little bit of a reach, but if you like that player, it's. I think it's totally fine. And that third round pick could be, you know, should pretty shoulder shrug. So, uh, yeah, I think maybe slightly in Wyatt's favor, just because he has one. He still has one more chance, I guess. Right? Like, but overall, pretty close. But. You got your guy, and that's all that matters. So yeah. I commend the move. Thank you, sir. All right, next we have, I gave Katie three 2022 fifths and, <laughs> Ky- and Kylan Hill uh, in this draft, and she, I got the pick to move up and draft Davis Mills, the rookie quarterback for the Texans. Um, this, to me, was just completely throwing something against the wall to see you know what what could happen um it's very likely that uh who is it teddy or not tyrod that went to i always get them confused um tyrod went to the texans he'll he'll probably start if if deshaun doesn't play um but i could also see a scenario where the texans are just so bad they go like two and four or two and 15 now and then have to draft an actual quarterback if they move on from watson so it's, this could be worth nothing, but my hope was that maybe Davis Mills gets some starts this year and fills in a hole for me in emergency. Yeah, I think it's a solid trade. I think it's worth the fifth-round picks and the fourth-round pick to take a shot on him. I think he has like a decent enough chance at starting for at least one year this year. Possibly more. He was, uh, yeah, I- of the like Mond, um, Mills, Trask tier, I think... Mills actually was my favorite. Definitely over Trask. Yeah. yeah, I liked him a lot more than Trask too. I think Trask going to learn from Tom Brady is exciting, but I don't know you know, if that'll really turn into anything. All right, next up, uh, we had the infamous uh, Chuba Hubbard trade. <laughs> we already talked about that. Tim Patrick and Anthony Schwartz. Um yeah, we've talked about that pretty extensively. Um, probably the most exciting trade out of all of these was that I traded Aaron a 2023 fourth round pick and got the legend Todd Gurley. <laughs> Man, I, I was pleasantly surprised to get a fourth round pick of, out of Todd Gurley. I kind of still can't believe that I got a fourth round pick for him. I think he's done. <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> he's literally not on a team right now, so yeah. you may be right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, this is such a... I don't even know what where to begin. So, <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and move on. Now, this next trade is a that big w- one. Yeah. The, the last thing I'll say is, that trade for me was like, you you bring in a a guy way... I, 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 I should have thought of an analogy, but like an NBA player that should definitely be out of the league gets put on the roster instead of like an average like middle-tier player uh, just for nostalgia. So, <laughs> anyways, all right. This next one is... Kind of like yeah, Carmelo pretty big. Anthony. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. That was that was my Carmelo signing. <laughs> All right, let's hear your your take, Spicer, on Aaron getting Nelson Aguilar and Ryan getting a twenty twenty two second. You skipped a big one. Oh, I have it next. Maybe they're out of order, but um, yeah. So, uh, I'll <clears throat> I'll make this simple. Great job, Ryan. I thought that was great. <laughs> uh, I, I I actually really like Nelson Aguilar like as a player, but I, I one thing is I've been holding my Jacoby Myers stock, so 
hoping and John New Smith stock. So I'm also sort of like, I hope Nelson Aguilar doesn't become the number one. I need, they're not going to be throwing the ball very much. So I need those to go to my boys. But also I'm just like, I don't know. I'm not sure how Nelson Aguilar is going to fit in, in the Patriots. Like I don't really trust anyone to throw him the deep ball, which is sort of his, where he really shines. I feel like, um, but yep. Ryan also just good for Ryan getting a little little draft capital. He hadn't really made any trades for picks, so I'm glad he's getting a pick, getting ready. So that's yeah. sort of where I am. But I could be wrong. I mean, the Patriots' wide receiver core is like their entire offense is a mess. I know I we watched some film <laughs> last year during my trial run of the NFL, and watching them run routes was just truly pathetic. So, <laughs> Hunter, what did you yeah. think of it? So I can't remember what it was in reference to, but do you remember that Stephen A. Smith like tweet slash gif where he's like, we've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, <laughs> led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived. That is how I feel about the NFL community and Nelson Aguilar. This dude was in Philadelphia for like five or six years and was like very fine as a, a deep threat receiver, like never had a like amazing year. And th- this is one of the times where I think a player can be much better in real life for your team than in fantasy. Because last year, it was I was surprised how many uh, huge deep play like touchdowns and plays he had when they just drafted Henry Ruggs. Um, it seemed like the Raiders, either he didn't work out or maybe Nelson really was putting it together. I don't know. Not sure. But um, I just don't see Cam Newton or Mac Jones being able to I'm, and here I am complimenting, I guess, Derek Carr's deep ball, <laughs> but um, I don't see them being able to to do that as much. But I could be very wrong, and I do think he'll have some big games this year. Uh, I just personally would never have paid a second-round pick for him. Yeah. So first, let me say what I think of Agor as a player. He okay. was totally unimpressive with the Eagles, but pretty much balled out, I would say, with the Raiders last year. I just pulled up his profile and sleeper and he was the number 34 ppr wide receiver last year um i know the patriots just paid him uh i don't remember the exact number but i do remember before i made this trade i like looked up the contract <laughs> to make sure it was, it was a like sizable 20. amount that they paid him to like think okay they're gonna have to throw the ball to him if they're paying him this much <laughs> um but yeah that's how i feel about Aguilar, and i think the patriots wide receiver room is wide open so he could be the number one wide receiver easily now I don't totally regret the trade, <laughs> although I sometimes think, eh. But what I do regret is I like the basis of this trade on the trade calculator. It was actually like far in Ryan's favor. I think I should have made him throw in like a later round pick. Like I should have made him send me Aguilar in a fourth round pick and it would a little bit more balanced value wise. Um, but also another part of it was just the market. Like, I looked through everybody's team to see who has extra wide receivers that they might trade me and talk to a couple people about wide receivers. And what I was willing to spend at this time was a second round pick. And that was just the best match. So I realized I was probably playing a premium, but to possibly get a guy that might be the wide receiver one on his team before the season starts and plug an area of need, hopefully I did it. I don't know. I did it. (laughs) Yeah, no, that, I mean, and that makes sense. I think, you are 100% right, though, that the Patriots wide receiver room is nothing. Yeah. Right? Like, like it's wide open. So, 
Yeah, I think um, I wish you would have had a more extensive conversation with the Gotham Knights because I have a pretty long list of receivers that are all kind of in a weird a lot of them are in the same tier. Some of them are older and some of them are younger. <laughs> and I don't like I have Landry and Cooks and Mike Williams and Mims, Paris Campbell and Mooney who are all like have some sort of question mark on them. Maybe no, yeah, I think all of them do. Landry's maybe is just age, but um I can't remember if this was after or before the trade, but around that time I actually looked at your roster. I think the only guys in that range that I'd really be interested in are Landry and Mike Williams, but like putting the two of them and Nelson Aguilar in the, the same bucket, it's kind of like hard for me to pick. They're pretty even to me. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's fair. I think they all have the same type of ceiling uh, possibilities. Maybe yeah. Mike Williams could have like a later or later career like explosion with Herbert, but. Uh, I'm not banking on that. So they're probably all three going to have a few big games this year and a lot of nothing games and a couple in the middle. <laughs> yeah, the the wide re- wide re- wide receiver three like range I feel like is from like 28 until like 70. <laughs> like there's so many receivers in the league now that can have pretty much the same week every week because there's so much passing. Mm. All right, so I think I wrote these trades down in the wrong order. So there's a there's two kind of big ones left, but this one this one's not a blockbuster either, so we'll save that one again. But Katie gets Tyler Boyd in a twenty twenty two third, while Colton gets Mike Davis. I'd rather have what are your thoughts. I'd rather have the Mike Davis side here. Um, I hmm. actually really like Tyler Boyd as a player, but I just think his opportunity is all but gone for fantasy relevance. Um, being behind T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, I feel like he's barely going to get the ball. Spicer? Yeah, I think I'm on the <coughs> Boyd third side. Um, mostly because I don't, I think that Mike Davis will have competition in Atlanta soon. Like he's he's not going to be there for past maybe two seasons, but I. I am on this. Mostly, I just think like Tyler Boyd is one of the most interesting wide receivers to try to value right now because I think getting Jamar Chase puts a lot of question marks for how Tyler Boyd is, even though he's young. So, like this, it's it's kind of like yeah, slightly in matriarch's favor for me, but like. That's because I prefer the, the the pick. I have no idea what to do with Tyler Boyd. That's fair. I think if this was... So if Colton was in a more win-now mode, and we knew... like if the, And if this trade happened in mid to late September, I think I would like it more for him. But I do think there's still a chance that Atlanta could sign... Even if they just re- re-signed Todd Gurley, you would be a little more down on this trade. Uh, just because Gurley could vulture touchdowns or you know a few carries here and there, uh, but it, I, I don't think it's. I don't know. Maybe I do think it's pretty bad. It, it all depends on Tyler Boyd. Maybe he is going to be shoved to the side, but uh, I think there's. <clears throat> excuse me. I think there's room for them to support three receivers if if Burrow comes back and is the real deal. So uh, we'll see. I think, like I said, if Mike Davis is the only guy there, it may pay off. All right, here's the big one. The, our first ever uh, 
real big official conditional trade, Wyatt gets Austin Eckler, and Colton gets Mark Andrews and Javion Hawkins uh, to go with Mike Davis in Atlanta. Uh, the condition, I actually lost it here. Hold on. It's complicated. It's a multi-condition. <laughs> All right. So for Eckler, if Austin Eckler is a top 10 running back, then Wyatt has to send a 2022 second round pick to the Pit Kings. Okay. There's also, I believe, another condition on Mark Andrews, which is that if Eckler is a, a top 10 running back and Andrews is a top three tight end, then the winner faces sin, sends a 2022 third round pick instead of a second. Those are interesting those conditions are, because those are pretty high bars. Like even thinking both those plays are pretty good, it's kind of unlikely for either of those things to happen, I would say. Yeah, I think the only scenario I see that happening with Eckler is if uh he's healthy all year and this is PPR. I think that's probably where that happens. Maybe there maybe a one or two of the big guys gets injured or something or misses a few games. Uh, I could see it for him. I I don't see Andrews as a top three guy. Yeah, I preferred Colton's side in the last trade getting Mike Davis, but this one I prefer Wyatt's side. I would much rather have Eckler, I think, than Andrews and Hawkins. I don't know a ton about JV and Hawkins, but everything I've heard about him is that I want nothing to do with him. <laughs> and Mark Andrews <laughs> yeah. is good, but I think Austin Eckler could be really good this year in that Chargers offense. I think the Chargers are going to be good in general. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way, but the the Chargers offense being good, I think that if Eckler plays all of them, he is going to be a top 10 running back. And so mm-hmm. if the second round pick does go to the Pitt Kings, then I think that you say like, oh, it's pretty fair. Like Austin Eckler is good, but you got a second round pick and Mark Andrews out of the out of the deal. And so if Mark Andrews is the fourth tight end and Eckler is a top 10, it feels pretty fair. That's I think true. The, it gets way more the, fair with the second in there. Yeah, exactly. And so the biggest thing that will be a bummer will be if Eckler is like number eleven, right? <laughs> yeah, like, right. Um, that's that's just the bummer if he's in that just right below that tier eleven, twelve, thirteen, which could be where he lands. But I do think that he is a top ten, and it does. It, yeah, it gives him a chance to if Eckler really does pop off to not feel too bad so i think some keys here looking back in philip rivers last year in i always want to say san diego in los angeles uh austin eckler in ppr was the running back four um he he had 92 receptions 993 receiving yards uh and then the big thing here is that he had eight receiving touchdowns um you, you feel like that's probably a little bit of an outlier, especially since those are receiving. Um, he just made some big plays. So uh, even if he had a drop-off, though, from that, you can, you can see where he could be a top-10 guy. He's also, I think as far as, he's also one of ahead. those few uh, backfields in the NFL where it seems like he's the pretty clearly the number one guy, and there's not even like a like 1B type of guy. Like It seems like it's just him pretty much. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think with uh, the roster makeup of the winter faces here, uh, this this should put some fear into all of us because uh, I think oh, yeah. running back was kind of a big question mark for them after uh, James Robinson uh, was joined by UTN in the draft. 
So now he's got a clear-cut running back one, and I don't like it. I am quaking in my boots. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and then our next trade is Wyatt replaces... Mark Andrews here with a bit of a dart throw at Blake Jarwin from the Cowboys returning from injury while touchdown Nabby gets Quentin Quintez Cephas uh, receiver for the Lions. Um, yeah, love it. Slightly favor touchdown to Nabby here. Uh, I like his dart throw better than the Jarwin dart throw. Mm-hmm. Um, however, like it's still the Lions. Still that like they are both dart throws. Still golf throwing the ball, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, there, there's all yeah. sorts of uh, the the uh, the equations for calculus here. We've gotten so down into the into the wormhole trying to sort it out. It's gotten all jumbled. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I like the trade for touchdown, Nabby. I don't know a lot about Blake Jarwin except that I'd rather see my boy Dalton Schultz Schultz play. Yeah, and he did pretty well last year with even with uh, old. Oh, Andy Dalton in there and whoever else they had for a couple games. So, um, Danucci? Ben, yeah, Ben Danucci. <laughs> uh, but yeah, people were really high on Blake Jarwin, like hitting it big last year. So we'll see if he can come back from that ACL tear. But I kind of agree with what you guys said. If, if we're taking one of those two dart throws, uh, maybe Cephas I, is the guy. I just don't think I could ever get that excited about a Cowboys tight end because they already have three great receivers plus Zeke. So there's Very like a, true. a lot of targets taken up there very true all right our last trade maybe one of the more boring Wyatt gets a 2023 fourth round pick and Noah of the Flaming Hot Cheetahs gets Anthony McFarland to back up Najee <laughs> Harris I started to laugh just hearing the name Anthony McFarland <laughs> when I first saw this I was like what is Noah doing but then I remember that he had uh, Najee and it made it make a lot more sense um, yep. to get the handcuff there because McFarland I think had a pretty unanimously like unimpressive season is he a, f- a second year player or first year player yeah he was a rookie last year and I just remember thinking watching him and hearing a lot of commentary of people saying that uh, they did not like what they saw <laughs> from McFarland but having Najee it makes a lot more sense to have a backup for him yeah and it's just a fourth. I feel like, yeah. yeah, this is fair. No one will remember it, but Wyatt will love having the fourth round pick just for the fun of draft day. Like, that's all That's all it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Noah also still has an extra first and an extra third and still his fourth round pick. Yeah, he's not hurting for draft capital. So I think he's okay. Um, but yeah, that kind of wraps, wraps up the trades there. Um, we've hit a good stride here for a show about our normal time any closing thoughts or uh, last words from the popular ballers gm i don't think so thank you guys for having me it's been a blast hope everyone enjoys hope uh the popular ballers diehards listen in to get the in-depth scoop on the team all right well uh we made it through the podcast uh and we did not mention the thing that you told us we weren't allowed to mention uh, as journalists so uh just want everyone to commend us for not bringing up that that decision that you had to make earlier today um also everyone stay tuned for another guest coming up uh probably next week or sooner an outsider to give his opinions on the league as always it's been my pleasure
Ah ja. Brought to you by Magiano Productions. Jets, jets, jets.